1: Hello
2: and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Ross Gallagher, Venture Director at 11FS. In today's episode, we are discussing how Fintech and financial services can manage the wealth of the future. We'll be taking a closer look at Gen Alpha and Beta who they are, and what they expect from their banking services both now and into the future. How do our future wealth makers differ from boomers and millennials? What is our industry doing to empower these segments with the products, services and knowledge to succeed? And we take a look into our crystal ball to think about what the future of banking may look like and how fintechs can adapt to meet the needs and expectations of future generations. To have this discussion with me. I'm very lucky to be joined by Louise Hill, uh, CEO at GoHenry. Louise, thank you uh, so much for joining us. Maybe for anyone that doesn't know, you can just give us a little recap on what GoHenry is all about.
1: Sure. Thanks, Ross. Um, Thank you for inviting me to join. Um, GoHenry is a prepaid debit card and financial education app designed for kids aged six to 18 with a very simple mission to make every kid smart with money. Um, we pioneered this category in financial education when we launched back in 2012, and we provide tools to help kids learn about money by earning, saving, spending responsibility, giving, and more, all with parental oversight. Um, and we embed that with money missions, which are in-app gamified money lessons designed to educate children and promote better financial literacy.
2: Amazing. I mean, quite a quite a simple mission, as you said, but I suppose... Uh... Easier said than done, right? And of course, such an important one. So, Louise, look, um, it's really great to have you. really appreciate you jumping on um, and sharing your insights as well in this space. So we're also delighted to welcome Alpa Patel, uh, a research and marketing professional, uh, formerly the marketing lead at Ballooning Nest Eggs and head of market and user research at Kids Central Station. Um, Alpa, uh, great to have you. Thanks for joining. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about some of the, uh, the things you're working on at the moment.
0: Thank you, Ross. And hello to the FinTech Insider listeners. I'm Alpa Patel, and I'm thrilled to be here to speak on this topic how FinTech is addressing the needs of future generations. Um, About me, I've spent about two decades in the world of data. Most recently, I worked at two FinTech startups targeting the needs of the Gen Alpha demographic. Currently, I'm consulting in my role to, as a fintech visionary, I guess, and researching the transformation of the financial landscape driven by tech and innovation, especially as it impacts future generations.
2: Amazing. And I mean, similarly, so many great uh, insights, I think, to share on this, uh, on this topic as well. So thank you so much for, uh, for, for jumping on and sharing them. It is such an important topic. It's such an interesting topic. Um, so I'm excited to, uh, to dive in. And I suppose, uh, without any further ado... Um, I guess in terms of starting and, and, and I suppose the principle of, of, of starting at the very beginning and where we are now, it'll be interesting, I suppose, just to have a look at, I suppose, where the industry's at right now in terms of serving some of those those older demographics, but I suppose in parallel how we're starting to, to lay the foundations um, for the future. I suppose, Louise, it'll be interesting to come to you first just because I know, obviously, you mentioned the fact that, that those younger demographics are a, a real target for GoHenry, but equally, I suppose there's... Uh, the parent angle as well to the proposition. So it'd be interesting to understand a little bit around how you maybe uh, strike that balance and and serve those two very very different demographics.
1: Yeah, it's certainly uh, um, one of the challenges. You know, GoHenry is best known for being a prepaid debit card for kids, but uh, we're built by parents um, for parents and in conjunction with parents. And as, as you rightly said, the first customer, the person who signs up, is the parent. I think one of the biggest challenges for us is that we have two apps, so one for parents, different one for kids, and therefore two separate audiences. But actually, when you, when you break that down, one of the things we tell people when they, when they join us is we're not talking to two different audiences, we're actually talking to four because we provide services to children from the age of six all the way through to 18. And if you think about the difference between a six-year-old and their needs and an 18-year-old, they're vast. So we have three subsets within the children, the child and teen audience. Um, we, we look at age six to 10, 10 to 14, and 14 plus. And, and that means we have to have a really clear tone of voice really clear communication channel that works for us. And it means we have to tweak the user journeys, the products, even the services in both apps to ensure that we appeal um, to those four different audiences.
2: I mean, it's 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 an enormous challenge. And as you say, I suppose the, um, the characteristics probably evolve quite dramatically, as you say, as you move from being six through to sort of 16, 17, 18, and what they're probably looking for is quite different. I'm also fascinated in, um, you know, you're designing, um, you're designing, as you say, also for the parents. Do you think there is a real recognition um, on behalf of the parents that actually there is a real gap in that sort of um, child um, and, and young person banking space? And also a recognition, I suppose, that that's something that um, GoHenry specifically is solving for over and above what was already um out there at the time.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think absolutely and more and more. Uh, I, I mentioned briefly at the start that we launched in 2012 and, and the company came about because of the challenges I was finding in trying to make my children understand money in the way that they were, they were starting to use money and certainly in the way that I was using money. So um, many people have heard me tell this story but my kids had both been lucky enough to be given iPods for either Christmas or birthday, I forget which now. And I'd given them the log into my iTunes account and they were having a great time. Um, they were clicking that download button and I was trying to figure out how to teach them, make them understand that that was spending money and of course that money has to come from somewhere. And that was really where the thinking evolved from. The more parents I spoke to, the more people said oh good grief you know my son has run up a bill on my ebay account or uh, my daughter's uh, downloaded um stars to move her up the levels in in what uh, computer game she's playing and i realized lots of parents were having the same problem and, and effectively we'd left kids behind we were still giving them cash on a saturday morning for their pocket money and yet that was not the world we were operating in, nor was it the world that they would need to understand and be confident in by the time they reached adulthood. So even back then, the need was there. Fast forward, it's almost 11 years now, unbelievably. And, and I think parents are really aware of that. You know, um, Shopping online is, is completely normal um, and it's something that, that children do from quite a young age certainly using um, gaming stations or playing games um, that that involve uh, downloads um, or paying for things, again, is is used by hundreds and hundreds of children every day. And um, if you think about the way that adult money use is evolving, we need to prepare the younger generation, all of those Gen Z, Gen Alpha, Gen Betas, We need to make sure we're preparing them for the onslaught of all that choice as as they reach adulthood. That's
2: just I just find that such a fascinating insight because I, as you as you quite rightly say, I think financial education at a young age has always been lacking. And and Alba, I know this is a um, a demographic, this younger demographic is is one that you've looked at quite closely, and I suppose you recognise what Louise is saying about. In a, in a in a digital context, um, there's probably an even bigger gap because you don't have that physical transaction, that handing over of cash and actually trying to associate, as Louise was saying, clicking the button with money being spent. You know, there's, there's probably quite a bit of work to be done there still.
0: There is, and I, what we find is that our, you know, these older generations, we didn't have any financial learning um, given to us from our parents. And so one of the most important things for us this immediate focus on financial literacy and adaptability. We don't, you know, uh, we don't know what their futures will be. And therefore it's very important to us to start at this very young age to give them this learning so that they don't come into adulthood like many of us did without having any idea of how to take care of our own finances or or anything or investments.
2: Yeah. One thing that I really believe is that it's not it's not enough to say, oh, here's a here's a current account. And oh, well, we've got direct debits or standing orders. So actually you can pay your bills. You know, the the really valuable um stuff on top is how do you help me manage my leftover spend through to the end of the month? How do you help me optimize that spend? How do you help me save towards the things that are important to me? Um and I think that's the bit for me that's that's always been Lacking, and I think without that um you're sort of you're sort of leaving people to fend for themselves and and sort of figure it out i suppose ultimately um as they go and um louise part of, part of um I suppose why I bring this up is I think actually picking up on Alpa's point if you give people the right tools the right intelligent services and show them how to use them and how to use them to their advantage from a young age it's it's not just. A skill it's a real advantage you're really empowering people to do go on and sort of like achieve things and 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 do quite well from there. So um it's not just it's not just for me something that uh is a nice to have it's something that is really, really essential to to how people go on and live their lives.
1: I th- I think to me it, it it's a fundamental life skill. Um that there's no getting away from it. You you would really struggle to operate in society without money. And money has changed um, dramatically in the last 30 years. I was going to say 50, but it's not 50 years. It's the last 30 years and even more so in the last 10 years. And um, so providing those tools to youngsters, um, and and I said we start from the age of six, the the reason for that, that there's a, a very strong a piece of research from Cambridge University that was commissioned by the Money and Pension Service that showed that children form their money habits as young as seven years old and that those money habits then have repercussions, steer decisions that they make for the rest of their lives, so really impact their financial outcomes for the rest of their lives. Um, It's critical to start young. And um, giving parents the tools because they're the most obvious route into to to children that age giving parents the tools so that they can give their kids go henry because obviously i think that's the best solution um but giving them the tools so that money is accessible it's explained in language that makes sense to the specific age group and um, that they are encouraged to learn about earning and saving um, and spending, spending responsibly, learning the difference between needs and wants, learning to budget, learning to save up for bigger goals that they they want to achieve. Um, all of those things are absolutely critical life skills. And and I I often talk about it. Uh, I link it to swimming, learning to swim. You you don't throw your child in the deep end of a swimming pool and just hope that they're going to swim. You you normally They have some lessons, or you give them some kind of aids like um, armbands or or a a ring or something, so that they can swim, learn to swim in a safe and protected way until they're ready to do it by themselves and independently. And you give them those aids so that they become confident and learn to do it. And I think financial literacy, financial education, it's exactly the same principle. I'm, I'm a huge believer in learning by doing. And, and that was one of the reasons that when, when we started to build GoHenry, it was key to me that we actually gave kids a debit card and they had a, a, an account that their money could go into and that they could take decisions on um, spending or saving or learn about giving a little bit to charity every, every month or every week or just one off, but learn about those things for themselves make the decisions themselves, all within, we call it parental oversight, but the parent can set limits that they are happy with for their child to operate within so that it's a safe environment. But learning learning sometimes by making small mistakes. Um, uh, our, our previous CEO, um, I remember he, he came up with this um, phrase once when being interviewed about better to make a £20 mistake Uh, When you're seven, than a two thousand pound mistake when you're 27, and it's very true. Uh, So learning by the occasional mistake, by buying something you want today, but then realizing you haven't got enough money to do something you really, really wanted to do tomorrow, and you've got to wait and save up. Those are great life's lessons, and really good to earn, really good to learn when you're at a much younger age, and. It can be done in a safe environment,
2: especially when you say, especially when you say that um, people's relationship with money and money habits and behaviours have already sort of really been shaped by the age of seven. Then I think that whole like learning by doing thing just comes into sharp focus in terms of why that's so important, and 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 also um, I find what you said about the learning to swim. Um, analogy really powerful because i think a lot of people probably do feel like they do they just get thrown into the deep end um it's you know something happens they get their first part-time job suddenly they're earning money and they just don't know what to do with it whatever that looks like for them um alba do you think that um some of the i suppose the fact that um you've got um a lot of everything now is, is sort of moving digital isn't it and of course um with that comes potential for engaging these types of audiences in a different way. Do you think that that um, offers a real opportunity to address um, challenges around financial literacy, financial um, education in a in a new way and, and, and potentially more effective?
0: It is much more effective. I mean, uh, Gen Alpha uh, and generations beyond are what we call digital natives. So they're growing up completely immersed uh, in the internet, AI, all of these products, and nothing is new to them, it is their life. And so the way to reach them is products like GoHenry and um, other apps specifically targeted towards them, which are uh, looking to give them that early exposure that Louise was talking about, because these are their formative years and what they learn now and the products and services that they see now will significantly um, influence their expectations for the future, and financial institutions um, that adapt to this and recognize these expectations now have a competitive advantage in um, serving this generation as a as a transition to the future wealth holders.
2: Yeah, I I think that's it. I think, um, and 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 I'd argue that um, the industry in terms of um, the financial services industry. Is, is probably starting now finally to to take that responsibility quite seriously and Louise mentioned um, the parents are also you know really conscious around like how can they pass these skills how can they teach these skills on, on onto to their children and I wonder Albert you know how how much how much um should we also be thinking about learning this sort of stuff like in school from a young age because you know I always say, Either i was I was maybe out sick that day, but no one ever taught me how to save towards life events or uh, or anything like that.
0: I think it's a responsibility for these companies if you're even entering the sector to have training and education as a part of your business model because you're you know banks are here to serve their customer and build trust and you know. Um so I think a lot of financial services companies, Fintechs, are actively engaged in initiatives focused on financial education, responsible money management, digital literacy and they even tackle some of the values that matter a lot to this generation. So the sustainability, the climate, equity, um, diversity. Um, and I do also agree that it should be part of our public education. Um, as you ma- mentioned, that financial literacy should be one of our core classes. Uh, we shouldn't graduate college and, and have no idea where to go from there. and get our first job, which who knows what they'll be for our gen alphas, but, you know, we don't have an idea of how to like then budget ourselves. And I saw that with a lot of my friends graduating college, you know, mismanagement of their funds. So I think it's very important that we start to incorporate incorporate that into the public school curriculum.
1: I would absolutely echo that, Alpa. Um, you know, I, I've talked for a long time about collaboration. If if we our mission statement I said earlier is to make every kid smart with money and there is a reason that the word every is in there. Um, if we are really going to reach every child in the UK, um, and going back to that Cambridge University study, When they are six, seven, eight, that means in primary school, then we really need to come together and collaborate to make that happen. So I I agree with ALPA completely. There is a role for financial services companies um, to to do that and to make sure that they're embedding that education and information within their services. But I do think also there is a role for government to play, Um, there's a role for schools, teachers to play and for parents, and, and, and in fact, wider industry. You know, if, if we really want to make this happen, we can come together to, to make effective financial literacy a key subject in, in every school.
2: I completely agree. Um, I I think as well, um, by not doing that, and, and by not addressing it in schools or through financial services apps where it's regulated and safe, you know, some of the stats that we've seen around people that go to social media like TikTok, et cetera, to get these types of uh, this type of advice um, where it's not ne- it's not regulated. It's not necessarily safe. Um, but I guess this is this is something that you've seen and and, and something that um, potentially could pose uh, could pose a risk.
0: I mean, I do think social media can be a valuable source of information and um You know, community for this generation—that's where they connect and meet people. Since they're not really meeting people um, in real life, they like the—you know—they like to be online. But it does come with a lot of risk, as you said, when it comes to financial advice, because you'll be getting lack of expertise, you know, on TikTok, misinformation and bias, you know, speculation, financial scams, Um, and there's also a lot of peer pressure that. This generation uh, faces. So, to, to mitigate this, I think what we just talked about, we have to invest in financial education literacy, starting with our public school systems, as Louise mentioned, the government, which has a broad, you know, better infra- larger infrastructure, and broader audience so they can reach school kids, college kids, um, and help in that effort. Um, but we also need to teach our kids, as Louise also mentioned, our parents are very important. We need to teach our kids to verify sources. Um, and to seek information from a variety of sources, books, educational websites, certified planners. And we also have to tell them to be cautious because if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And they need to avoid um, impulsive decisions. Uh, It also brings up the topic of cybersecurity, which banks and fintechs need to heavily invest in. Um, They need to educate their customers online, knowing that a lot of them are this younger audience. And we need fraud detection, prevention technologies um, in addition. And I think I think I would add to that. Um I, I
1: mentioned earlier on that that we have a series of what we call money missions um within Go Henry, And they're, again they're age and stage targeted. So there's the, the six to 10, 10 to fourteen, and fourteen plus money missions. And they they're they're in-app gamified money lessons. They're they're little quizlets, little videos, um, little learn learning moments. That's a weird phrase, but opportunities for child or the teenager to learn about various um money skills you know everything from from cyber security to shopping safe taking that through to shopping safely online to understanding interest and credit cards to understanding what a payslip looks like and what all those entries on your payslip might be all those things that get taken off it Um, all of those things what we found when we started to introduce those interestingly was parents coming to us um i mean one one lady I ended up speaking to who said her son had just explained her pay slip to her, and it was the first time in her life that she'd actually understood what each of the deductions on her pay slip were um and, and you know and we we keep hearing that their child's explained to them. APR, AER, what the differences are. That's incredibly powerful. And and earlier this year, uh, after after a long time working with them and talking to them, we we actually came together with joint forces with an American company called Acons, um, who operate uh, at the moment just in the U.S., but whose vision is that that investing should be something that is available to everybody and therefore have a whole suite of products um targeted at adults um in making investing demystifying it making it simple to understand making it easy to access i think they they, you know they started originally with roundups they they have dollar a day solutions um their whole concept is around um starting small think about the acorns name and the acorns image uh imagery it's all about planting a planting that acorn starting small keeping going regularly investing and ultimately building your your mighty oak Um, and that has started to enable us uh to address some of those learning opportunities i suppose but those education opportunities with the parents as well as with the children. So, today in, in, in our US operation, Go Henry is, is now part of the Acorns premium tier, and, and all of Acorns premium tier customers now have free access within that tier to Go Henry by Acorns as we position it over there. And that means not only are the Go Henry kids learning and gaining access to that kind of easy to understand financial information but also their parents as well which is is something you know i've I've been thrilled to be able to um work with the team at acorns to bring to life this year
2: yeah i'll bet and 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 i think you know to be able to invest in the the safe way that you just described you need those foundational behaviors and habits already embedded because you know you need to be in a certain financial situation before you can really consider investing and how do you invest in that in a safe and sustainable way um, and I would argue Louise as well that um, the the young kid explaining the uh, the paceload to his mum is I would say one of the the, the great testimonials um, for, for what you guys do um, and uh, a real yeah a real sort of indication of success um I'm gonna take us just to a quick break uh, Uh, Coming up, we take a look at ahead to what fintechs and financial services will look like in the future and how they can support the needs of future wealth makers. So don't go anywhere.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
2: All right welcome back in this part of the podcast we are taking a look ahead to understand what the needs of future uh, wealth makers might look like and what Fintechs can do to support this so Alba I know you've looked into this um, younger demographic one of the one of the first things that um, springs to mind for me is how typically banking has been organized around quite um, I suppose a set series of, of life events. So typically things like saving for college, um, saving to buy a house, um, saving for a wedding, whatever those might be. Um, I wonder how much does that apply to these younger demographics? Do they still subscribe to those, that same sort of um, laid out traditional path or are they more open to, to, to different types of experiences and, and, and how does that translate through to what they need from financial services?
0: Right, I think it's not that these life events aren't are unimportant to them. It's more that they view them differently. I think that older generations, boomers, Gen X, um, saw them as a step to step goals, whereas the younger Gen Alpha's are are seeing them more as peripheral goals. They're part of their life. They're they're much more involved in managing their financial future from an earlier age than the older generations, and they also value things such as sustainability, equity, technology. Um, and banks will need to adapt to this and innovate their products and services, especially in terms of uh, tackling the values that they they want. And um, I thought of some examples, for example, in college funds, the, the rising cost of education and also the evolving landscape of learning, such as AI or or online courses and certifications, Um, as well as the shift to alternative types of career paths may reshape the whole idea and importance of education in general. So will we need the same types of college funds? Probably not. But what banks could do, they could offer more flexible um, education saving accounts that are not just limited to college tuition, but also to these alternative learning paths. Um, They could offer tax advantage accounts to encourage college goals. Um, They could offer financial literacy Resources, as we talked about, or you know, um, green, sustainable investments, which is a value that they really care about. All of this provides um, incentives to the future customers, but are are different from what it is that we've been growing up in. And the other example I thought of was mortgages. You know, the whole concept of home ownership is ongoing changes. You know, boomers wanted home ownership, but Gen Alphas are looking at, uh, you know, they're looking at the housing market, the inventory, the urbanization, um, and they like flexible living arrangements. So future, future generations might lean more towards renting or sharing shared housing models. And so in rea- reaction to this trend, uh, banks could offer short, short-term mortgages for flexible terms or introduce shared equity home ownership models. Um, also, Simplifying the whole mortgage application process, which would be very helpful, you know, such as offering online pre-approval, having all your documents on there. I mean, we're we're moving towards that. Even in my last, the last time we we remortgaged, <laughs> it was a much easier process, and um, and that would definitely appeal to the tech-savvy Gen Alpha generation.
2: Yeah, I like I like how you started off like. Really um, aspirational, and then saying, "Well, actually, if we could just solve this one small problem, which is how complicated mortgage applications are," and I could not exactly. agree with you more. I was um, going to say, "Aren't they just?" Oh,
1: <laughs> yeah. They're so
2: complicated, honestly. But Louise, I think Alba makes a really uh, good point when I suppose you look across the landscape of financial services, things are changing really rapidly across the board, aren't they? They,
1: they are, and and um, and I think the the generations that we're talking about Gen Gen Z Gen Alpha they are they are also changing and their behaviours with money are changing um, you know we we've now been in business for coming up for twelve years and and when we look back at the the first cohorts that the first couple of years and and how the young people were behaving with money and the decisions that they were taking with their money then and then we look at, at how they Acting now, we see real societal shifts, and and that's amazing. And they shift year on year. It it's um you know we we've been producing the youth economy report every year for about the past five years, and and the most recent one we we released um, a few months ago now, and it looked at the behaviours of seven hundred and fifty thousand young people, so between the ages of six and eighteen, who'd been using. Go Henry um, uh, at the start of the year, and were still actively using Go Henry at the end of the year, and how some of those behaviours had shifted from the previous years, the previous year specifically, and then and then before that. And if you think about what was going on in the macroeconomic environment at the same time, I mean that was as The cost of living crisis started, you know, that term started to be heard in the media. And obviously, those things were being discussed. They were popping up on teenagers' phones all the time. They were on the news, on the television. They were being discussed in homes around the country. And what we saw was children and teenagers really starting to save an awful lot more money, um, really markedly so. So the the, the comparison to the previous year was 145% higher savings, um, and and that quite clearly in a response to the pressure that they were seeing their parents and and families and and hearing on on the media other families going through. And when we when we inquired into that and and looked at why they were saving and what they were saving for or how they were thinking about the cost of living crisis what came through incredibly strongly we we called it in an article we put out is this the end of the bank of mum and dad because i think for a long time in the media we've heard the bank of mum and dad you know mum and dad are having to help kids fund their house deposit or mum and dad are having to help are having to pay for university education or weddings what came through very very strongly was a real shift in expectations, and kids, and particularly teenagers, saying they they really do not expect. I think it was sixty three percent do not expect their parents to help with a deposit for a house, um, and a very similar figure, sixty um, percent do not expect their parents to help with a wedding. Um, and slightly less, I think it was 54%, do not expect them to help with further education, be, be that um, university or, or apprenticeship or something like that. So you know, kids and, and teens, they're, they're very sensitive to what's going on in the environment around them. They, they soak that up. They, as you would expect, they respond. And, and so there are real behaviour shifts happening in how young people use money. And also, how we see them, Alpa made the point about value driven services, so socially conscious um, purposes, green, green investments or green um, retailers uh, producing green products. Um, children are voting with their feet. And, and we see that direction very, very strongly that they are making those choices. And they're used to it being immediate and digital and slick and if it isn't they go somewhere else so that whole um legacy of you know when i uh, opened my first bank account it was with nat west because that's where my dad and my mum banked my dad took me in and we opened a bank account um and it was you know i na- i now work in financial services so i moved away to first direct when they opened because that was more convenient for me and then guess what? I moved away to Monzo when Monzo started because that was more suitable for me. But um, I, those behaviours in the generations that we're talking about, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, Gen Beta, Beta—those they vote with their feet. They vote with their feet.
2: Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a couple of things that um, you said there that um, I want to pick up on. Um, I agree with you that I think that behaviour of the ceremonial going into the bank with your parents when you turn 16 or whatever it is to open an account in the same bank that they, are. I think, I think, I think we are moving away from that. And it's ne- not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think the other, the other, uh, the other thing that's, that's really interesting is um, obviously what you said about the, the values. And I think that is something that um, we've touched on um, or at least cursed over a couple of times. Um, but I think there's, it, it, it's 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 no surprise it's it's no secret that um these younger demographics are much more values driven as you say absolutely um voting with their feet and then the other the other really interesting thing louise that you said was um how tuned in or how plugged in they are to um their environment and albert i'm interested to get your thoughts on I suppose, well, actually, um, so Louise, I think one really interesting thing though is I know you were in terms of the study that you mentioned, you were looking at regular, um, GoHenry users. And so it shows that they had the understanding and the skills to be able to adapt their financial behavior to respond, which I think is, is, is really great. And ultimately is what we're talking about. Right. Um, but then Alba, I'm interested in, I suppose the role of social media, right. And, um, not just in terms of shaping their expectations around like um, experience and UX and everything else. Um, but this this younger demographic, they're always on their phone and they are constantly consuming content. And so, you know, I suppose we tend to think of them as children, but the reality is that they are very plugged into what's going on in terms of current affairs, um, et cetera.
0: Yes, actually, I have two. Uh two young kids. And they they do get a lot of their news. And I'm actually surprised at some of the things that they know that, that are happening in the world. So they are getting most of their content, not only social media, but from their friends, from um, a lot of those communication apps, Twitch, Discord, where they're having these very serious discussions that, you know, which, you know, our older generations, we didn't have these types of discussions. We were very sheltered. So um, we are seeing quite a bit of maturity in them and so which it's a and it's a reason why they're able to handle um, you know, adopting to a lot of these fintechs and early neobanks and these technologies, that they're they're very primed to just go online and start using it themselves. And as as Louise said, they teach us. They they come back and teach their parents, which is why it's such a uh, it's amazing thing to keep up with them. Because when we teach this Gen Alpha group, we're actually also getting to the the millennials and the Gen X and the boomers and teaching them to come to our services online. So we're actually uh, uh, gaining a segment that we didn't have before because they just didn't know how to get there.
2: It's it's such an interesting point what you said about that access to information and being able to, I suppose, process and understand that information versus um, generations previously being more sheltered. Um, and I suppose, I mean, Louise, I don't know if you think this, but I suppose it for me that kind of suggests that um, they're ripe for the financial education piece they're going out they're seeking this information they want to understand it but then i suppose it also places more of a responsibility on actually giving them access to the right information and doing it um in a safe way
1: i think i think it does and while remembering all the time that it needs to be real time and it needs to be personalized because they, they expect that as well. You know, that, that's what they've grown up with, with the services they interact with on their phones. And um, I, I was talking on a panel um, a couple of months ago and, and with some of the high street bank um, representatives. And I, I said, watch out, they're coming. Um, and, and at the time people laughed, but I, I actually mean that quite seriously. They have very different expectations. They consume information in a different way, at a different rate, and they expect it to be there. And I, I think that's a challenge to all of us. You know, it's a, it's a challenge to go, Henry, to, to keep innovating and keep providing that and, and building on that, but it's also a challenge to all of the adults financial service providers out there to to be ready um for those expectations and to meet those expectations and and actually that will shift that will shift the paradigm for everybody because um it will improve services for the older generations as well
2: it's i mean it's um i i completely agree i mean i think um i think the other interesting thing to consider is You know, we're talking about um, if we take Gen Alpha um, as an example, you know, it's still a a very young demographic. And and I think to your point about their coming, not necessarily people that um, the the, the demographic that the vast majority are really considering as serious participants in the financial system right now, I think if you're going to be um, really, really, really blunt about it. Um, But it feels like, to everything that you just said about everything from how they consume information to how they think about, um, how they think about products and services through like a, a values lens and all of that sort of stuff. The, and, and, and I'll put this is probably something you recognize, but the potential for transformation is pretty fundamental, I'd, I'd say.
0: Right, um, you know, they're primed and ready. Um, they're growing up in a world with like heightened awareness, um, not only of, of of digital but also show, social, environmental. They're they're global, uh, and they want all of these values to be addressed in in their in their in their brands that they're banking with or any any brands. And so, I think uh, for fintechs and traditional banks, they need to recognize that maybe they're they're just turning 13 this year, that's true, but then following them will be gen beta. And they are sort of the, the main cohort we should be looking at because they have great influence over their parents and their parents are, are also giving them um, their brand influences. And so they will be falling in the tracks of, they're called mini millennials for a reason. So they're highly influenced by their parents. And so uh, it's sort of a tandem relationship here. You need to both target millennial parents and Gen Alpha kids at the same time. So they are, although they're young, they're still a very important cohort to be looking at in our uh, marketing materials.
2: I really I really like the point that you made about it almost feels like we have to stop thinking about financial services in isolation and actually see it as part of a, a much bigger whole. Um, Louise, do you think, I mean... With with so many drivers from lots of different directions, technological, social, everything that Alper just mentioned, are we even going to recognise <laughs> financial services in a few years? Uh, a few years from now?
1: That's a really good question. Um, now, I, I was we were talking with our team earlier in the week about AI, and and just the the opportunities that that unlocks. Um, to provide really bespoke, um, really bespoke, really personalised information um, and offerings to people. And, you know, that that is, it's new, it's exciting, it, it's frightening as well in some ways, but the, the opportunities that are there are enormous. If you think about open banking, um, if you think about uh, all sorts of other technologies that are that are coming online, I think financial services can't help but be transformed over the next few years. You know, it, I could say it already has been. If you look back five years, we've we've come a huge way. Um, we still get called disruptors, fintechs, but think about um, Apple Pay and and where that's moved from and to in the past five years think about Revolut, Adyen, these companies that have come in that are not traditional banks but offer this this massive range of services yeah it it really makes me question uh well not question it makes me believe that things will look very very different in 10 years time and probably in five well in five years time things are moving so quickly.
2: Agree, but I think um, I go back to that 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 way image around opportunity, and you know I'm quite optimistic about um, you know where we. I I completely agree with you. I mean we we've already come so far, but where we can um, sort of continue to innovate and 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 go from here. And I guess Albert, it feels. I mean, I was being quite flippant um, a moment ago when I said that uh, you know lots of the big players mightn't even be thinking about the demographics that we're talking about, but how important. Is it that they that they are and that they start to think about these uh, these demographics and, and really think about designing financial services tailored to them that meet their needs?
0: You know, the, the transformation of the banking industry is a very gradual process, and you know, there's tech advancement, regulatory shifts, global events. Uh, but Gen Alpha right now is kind of the biggest trigger uh, or a pivot for how uh, banking providers, pro- um, providers are doing business because they're motivating change. Um, in the way these technologies are being developed, uh, and it's being driven definitely by their parents. Uh, this generation influence can, you know, dra- drive the adoption of these digital uh, financial tools. But we do need to adopt to what we we're talking about—the immediate way they want information delivered, the many different platforms they want. Um, um, changes to these, uh, their products to be delivered. And we see that already many fintechs are starting, starting with this, uh, you know, their API driven cloud solutions. They're adapting to uh, how, uh, the younger generation wants to view their content.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, just for the sake of, uh, ending on a, uh, I suppose a sort of crystal ball prognostication uh louise where do you think where do you think the industry sort of goes from here don't worry we won't we won't hold we won't hold you to it
1: (laughs) come back and listen to this again in five years time and see (laughs) if i got any of it right i i use the word personalization um i've used that a lot during this this conversation and real time i think um financial services will become very, very much more personalized. I think the level of interaction that individuals can have with it will become more frequent. Um, and and I think uh, that the kind of vision of open banking as that really embeds into um, becoming norm, the norm, um, we will get to a position where I can look on my phone and I can see where all my money is and I can see bespoke advice to me for how I can optimize that money, where I put it, how how I choose to um, demonstrate my values with the choices that I make. I think it will be – I think all that advice will be there in one place for me.
2: Yeah, it's a really attractive view of the future and one that um, I certainly hope uh, we get right. Well, look, we have absolutely – flown through um this show i've really enjoyed uh the conversation the discussion um thank you both so much uh for joining where can people find out um a little bit more about uh both of you and, and your companies as well Shall we start with you maybe louise
1: um yes find out more at um gohenry.com and for us listeners
0: sadly not available in the uk yet at acorns.com
2: excellent how about you alba
0: Um, You can find me on LinkedIn, Alpa Patel, or also on Twitter at Alpatella.
2: Excellent. Um, And as ever, you can find me at RossGallagher07. And thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, uh, please do follow our podcast. And don't forget to leave us a review. It really does help us to make the show better. And it also helps other people to find it. As always, if you want to join the conversation, find us on social media. Just search for 11FS or Fintech Insider or email podcasts at 11FS.com.
1: Thanks very much and goodbye.